All right, let's rock another podcast. Welcome to Keel Conversations. I am your host, Mark Champagne, and it is my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today I'm chatting with Perry, who is a customer success leader, storyteller, speaker, marathoner, Elvis fan, barista father, and human. And he's just a straight up awesome guy. He spent the last seven years leading teams at LinkedIn, and he really offers a great perspective around the importance of mental fitness in the corporate culture. And it's really interesting because it all started by knowing the top three apps on the phone of the LinkedIn CEO. Um, this was just a you know a regular all-company meeting, and the CEO Jeff brought up his phone, showed the the, the team you know what. Basically, I guess what you could, what you can take out of that, what he prioritized uh, as being on his home screen. So, you know, I won't, I won't give more away in, from that story. Please enjoy this conversation and take away whatever insights you can to bring into your own organization because I think they're just so super important as we really try to solve a lot of the stresses that we're dealing with on a on a day-by-day basis and a lot of that time is spent at work so enjoy the chat before we dive in as you know all these reviews stars super helpful so please leave a little love wherever you're listening and lastly this podcast is brought to you by keo which is our daily mental fitness app all these awesome guests end up in app to help guide you through your daily reflection. So I have to do a search KYO in the Apple App Store and you will see the app pop up. Thank you so much for your time, your attention and have an incredible day. so what defines you not what do you do we'll get mm-hmm. into that this is a this is a challenging question because there's that part of you that wants to paint this like amazing picture of who you are and what you stand for and you want to be that you know the person who stands atop mount olympus and fights for the goodness and all that kind of stuff of 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 you know of humankind and all that all that goodness but um i I'm not entirely sure that it's that exciting or that thrilling or that profound. Um, I am ultimately somebody who, um, you know, cares deeply about um, my family first and foremost. I have three children and certainly a lot of what I do and a lot of what motivates me today centers around the opportunity that I would like to have uh, to be able to give to my children. And so I think that's a big part of who I am today. Um, and obviously that, that isn't who I would have been uh, nine years ago when my first daughter was born. So I think that plays a big part as to who I am. Um, but then there's this, also, uh, this other part of me that is um, the opposite perhaps um, of how I, I think I'm perceived by a lot of people. I'm generally not somebody who in the grand scheme of things enjoys being around other people Uh, i like to be a lot more introspective i like to you know if i could um, be in a room uh, with a bunch of comic books or movies or um, you know whatever happens to be uh, having my attention at that particular point in time 
Um, that's probably a better representation sure. of who I am. But it's also not, uh, while I gain energy and I gain, um, you know, uh, goodness from that, uh, there's also a significant part of me that gains energy and positivity from the people that are around me. So I de- there is definitely a big part of me that needs to be around others to be able to feed off that energy to, to engage with other human beings as much as sometimes I need time to be by myself. Well, it's interesting because, you know, when you said you're more comfortable kind of in a room of, of, of comics, for example, mm-hmm. like every time I've met you, it's always a big room of people, right? right. It's like a LinkedIn event or even... I think the first time we met was a customer service uh, or customer success uh, event at, again, a room of people. Right. And you're the speaker. Yeah. Right? So, and we, we just finished chatting about you doing a, a talk in, uh, in, where was Korea. It? In, Korea. It was in Korea. In Korea. In yeah. Korea. So how do you, how do you balance that then? Because that's my, that's got to be a bit of a... Yeah, here's the, the inter- game. yeah, here's the interesting part in that I think a lot of people don't, and I get it, I don't think people understand what I mean when I say that or why speaking on a stage is, is actually something that's very natural for me. The interesting, the, the, the nuance is that when I'm on stage, I have the ability to have all eyes on me, which clearly there's a part of me that, that needs that or enjoys that. I, you know, there's, there's, that attention isn't something that I'm necessarily going to shy away from. But when I'm on stage, I'm in full control of what happens next, generally speaking. Right. So, yes, while the attention is on me, it's on it's on me because I've 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 uh, allowed it to be on me. Okay. Um, And then I get to deliver my message in the way in which I want to deliver it. I get to engage with the audience in the way in which the audience, um, you know, helps me fill up my reserves and hopefully I'm educating them in some way. But where the disconnect then happens is as soon as the lights go down and as soon as that talk is over, I immediately want to run out of the room. Okay. And that's where then that the uncomfortableness then happens where now I'm in a room full of people that, you know, they're nice people and they want to come and say things and nice things or ask me questions or yeah. continue the conversation. And that's really where I just want to, you know, jump out the window. Okay. I want to, I would just want to, I, I want to say my piece, do my thing when I'm in control and then leave. Um, and, and that's a dynamic that sometimes people don't always understand. And so when I hear sometimes, not that I'm a celebrity, but when you hear celebrities sometimes refusing autographs, whatever the case may be, I, I can relate to that in the sense that for me, it's a control thing. I like to be in control. I like to know what's going to happen next. Yeah. And when I'm in a room where I'm required to engage in a conversation that I'm not necessarily leading or controlling, I've got a tough time with that. Um, which is weird when I just spent, you know, 45 minutes on a stage talking about a particular subject. Okay. <clears throat> well, thanks for sharing that. Cause I feel there's a lot of people probably in that, in that boat, maybe not, not everyone's speaking, but mm-hmm. for sure in some sort of social situation where they have a hard time kind of sticking around. So yeah. given your, you're almost, for, you're almost forced in that if you're going to yeah. speak. Right. And, uh, now I know I won't ask for your autograph. Next time. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the other thing too is that it becomes exhausting, right? And yeah. I'm not complaining by any stretch. Don't get of me course. wrong. But I mean, there is this element of when I were to, when I leave the venue or leave whatever it is that I happen to be doing, there is just this level of exhaustion that I don't get if I were to go on a long run or if I were to, you know, put in a full day's work or whatever the case may be. Because there's just a different muscle there that I have to that I have to flex. Yeah. That. Um, 
it's certainly strong because I do a lot of speaking and I do a lot of engagement, but it's not a muscle that I like to flex necessarily. So I think there's extra effort involved for okay. me to do it. So as, as that speaking career has evolved, let's say, with, mm-hmm. with your regular career as well, how have you kind of exercised that muscle or trained that muscle to get more and more comfortable with it? Well, I guess it's, I guess it's been, it's, I, I, I've been forced to do it. Sure. Uh, because I love the the element of of speak that of, of speaking of being yeah. in front of a group I and even it doesn't even have to be a large group I mean with my with my team here at work I, I just I love the engagement with with uh, the individuals that I work with and yes while that's one on one you know one on a few again it's a controlled environment for me right so I have the sure. opportunity to be able to plus I also get to relatively choose who it is I engage with at work yeah uh, in the sense that you know I, I'm a hiring manager so I can I, I have input as to who I get to work with and so those engagements aren't aren't necessarily what I'm talking about here I love that and that ref- that fills up my tank yeah I really do look at you know, humans or at least myself, my um, whatever it is that you want to call it, whether it be a soul or spirit or I just call it a tank of energy, essentially. I, I view um, the engagement I have with other human beings as an opportunity to refill the tank. Yeah. So my the, my outward focus or my outward being when I'm when I'm laughing, telling a joke or, or coaching or learning from someone else is me expending energy and then I get the energy back from from other people, um, and that truly is the definition of a Type A, right? Or an extrovert. Yeah. And it's it's an introvert and extrovert isn't necessarily how loud or quiet you are. It's where you get your energy from. Sure. And I very much get my energy from other people. But there are moments where I definitely do need the time to be able to refill my tank in, in solitude at the same time. Do you use? I know you're a big runner. Do you do you use running at all to like prepare for those type of speaking engagements? Like when you're running to kind of. <sighs> your mind or a lot of times my and this is probably cliche for those people who do run but i find running when i am running it it helps me um come up with new topics or interesting angles to say something new anecdotes new story um i say that i joke that runners are really great mathematicians because we're always doing the math as to how much is left yeah, yeah. Uh, or how quickly we need to do something to get to the finish line. Yeah. Um, or when and, we're going to die. <laughs> correct. And then we're also um, solving all of the world's problems, right? Like it's amazing yeah. how you can, you know, go for a run and be like, yeah, I just totally, you know, solve this massive problem and then realize when you finish it's, you know, it's not that easy. But yeah, yeah so definitely r- running does help me. Um, help me uh, figure out some things. Sure. What running doesn't do, though, and this is this is the opposite, I think, of what I hear people say, is that um, if I'm messed up in terms of like there's something like there's a stress in my life, or there's like I'm angry at something, running does not wash it away. Okay. Interesting. Um, I don't have the ability to do that, or I haven't I haven't trained my brain to be able to do that. In fact, when I am angry at something or frustrated or there's an issue that's going around in my brain in circles and I try to go for a run, I typically end up stopping and and I don't finish the workout because I I just get so wrapped up in the, you know, the the spiraling nature of whatever's happening in my brain and then I I just can't continue to run. I wish I had the opportunity to be able to just have it wash away. Yeah. Um, so I typically have to be in a mindset to go run that is, you know, I have to be in a good mindset already. And then that allows the creativity to flow while I am running. 
Well, it's like, it's whatever you need it for, right? I guess, I mean, yeah. <clears throat> on my side, actually, I'm, I'm quite excited. I haven't run in, in about a week. I just came back from a mountain biking trip, which was good in itself. But tonight, I'm like, I'm looking forward to the run. Yeah. But I'm 50-50. Like, I'm either, when I'm running, I'm either trying to solve problems, like you said, or think of different ways to speak and all of this, or just completely like mindless right and i found here we'll give a headspace a little plug here um i don't know if you've tried the the latest headspace they have then they partnered up with nike i so, saw that i don't use nike as my running um app so i don't know if yeah. i can still use it or not well yeah it's in it's in the actual headspace app okay so what they have is they have good old andy you know doing yeah, this yeah. thing and i yeah. forget the nike coach that that's there but it's someone that's well known and it's pretty good like i've i've done two of the sessions okay and it just i think like it obviously it, it takes you out of whatever you may be thinking about because you've got to listen right. and they're focusing on not like overdoing your run but like being mindful of of actually going through with the run and the process of the run so it, it might be worth i should try that I'm in the middle of the training pack right now, and, and that's really, I mean, for me, that's a big preparation step as it relates to running, more so than, than speaking or work. Um, but I have just found that the opportunity to sit down, I do 10 minutes in the morning. Yeah. The opportunity to sit down um, and do 10 minutes, it's hard during the week because it's you know such a tight schedule to get into work. But on the, the weekends are the best. Okay. I'll wake up, I will have breakfast, I'll, I'll have my espresso, yeah. And then I'll do a 10-minute meditation session in my workout gear. Oh, okay. And then I will immediately go for my run. And because I need that sort of clear mind already to have a really good workout, um, I like it's that. just a really good formula for me to be able to do it. Now, with three kids at home, sometimes it doesn't always work out exactly how I laid it. Um, I but that's ask you about that. Yeah, <laughs> but that is, that's the, the best way. I've, and it's been a lot of trial and error over the years. I've been running for a long time off and on. I'm certainly not the greatest runner in the world. Um, but that's what works for me right now. And so I'm sort of capitalizing on that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's back up a little bit and just chat a bit about some of your, your, your corporate career and, and kind of where you're at now here at LinkedIn. Um, just cause I want to chat a little bit because I think LinkedIn's been pretty progressive on the mental fitness side of things. Mm -hmm. And I, I really want to, you know, anyone that's listening, that's in a corporate company, obviously, or has any chance to bring this in to their environment like what you've noticed has been working so i'll, I'll just set up the the, the backstory because we've talked about this before uh, i think there was a situation when the ceo of linkedin you know showed the apps on his home screen right yeah he, and, he delivered a keynote yeah. where he said it was a number of years ago he said these are the my my most valuable apps yeah of course linkedin was one of them uh, that would have been weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tesla was another one, um, and Headspace was one. Wow. Yeah. So what did that do for you? Because so this is a number of years, number of years ago. Now the company has access to Headspace, which which is great. But before that, correct me if I'm wrong. Like you weren't really into meditation no. or anything, anything like that. Right? No, it, it, people have always told me that the best thing to do if you're running is to do yoga. Because it not only provides the flexibility and core strength that you know makes you a better runner, but it also allows you to do some of the focusing things that yeah. allow you to run longer distances and all that kind of stuff, get better performance. And I've tried it. The problem I found with yoga is that um, I found myself looking at the instructor trying to mimic what they were doing, and then by the time I figured out what I was supposed to do, they were already on to the next move. Yeah. So I got really frustrated. I'm not. I, I'm. I'm uh, maybe I'm a bad learner, but I don't like not knowing what what I'm supposed to do. 
So I never yeah. really got into it. And then meditation was always something that I felt as though was incorrectly um, felt as though was something that was like way out in the, in the, in the, you know, in the, a different part of the spiritual world that was yeah, yeah. too out there for me. The hippie I, world. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if yeah, I yeah. was too, you know, too macho or too, I did too close minded. I didn't have a growth mindset. I was very much closed minded on it and uh, didn't appreciate it for what it actually is. And when I got, to, I learned a little bit more about it through Headspace and the partnership that they have with LinkedIn in the sense that it isn't about sitting uh, or doing what, however it is that you perform the meditation and not thinking about anything for 10 minutes because that's virtually impossible, yeah. right? Our brains are not wired that way. Um, but it is, it's about slowly training your brain to be able to provide focus, clarity, to be able to, you know, have that relaxation when your brain, our brains are moving all the time yeah. and let's give it the opportunity to sort of chill out for a little bit so that it can regenerate and can grow and you can, you know, uh, take advantage of all that. And then, and then understanding Headspace did a really good job of this, of explaining to me that it is a process or a process, yeah. uh, given that I'm back in Canada. It's a process. It's something that you have to train just like you, when you run, it's something they have to learn and it's not yeah. something that's going to happen right away. Um, yeah. And so it definitely was a journey because I certainly wouldn't be here today saying that I, you know, I, I would, I, if, if you were interviewing myself a year ago, a year and a half ago, and I said, you know, I meditate for 10 minutes in the morning every day, I, I would, I, I don't know what I would think, but I certainly wouldn't have thought <laughs> that, that would be the case. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? Are you crazy? Yeah, there's so many things that you could be doing in 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've made it a priority to do it. So what have you noticed? Have you noticed changes or like any differences since doing it? Yeah, it, uh, it, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm able to focus a little bit more. It allows me to be able to, um, I use the time to be able to try and um, put things into different places um, in a rational way. Okay. Um, it allows me to focus on things that I may want to accomplish. But ultimately, it really is. It's 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 like that. It's almost like an extra hour or two of sleep. It gives me about that. It yeah, gives yeah. me like this ability to feel more relaxed and more refreshed. Um, in a way that sleep doesn't. But it's the best way to sort of explain it. Yeah. Um, I've heard that before, though, Perry. On a not on our podcast, but actually someone we've interviewed, uh, Nat Warner, out in Australia, and I think she said. It's something like 30 minutes, 20 or 30 minutes of meditation equates to three or four hours of sleep really? or something like that. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I was, I was quite taken by that, but I can, I can relate to what you're saying. You do, if you're doing it consistently, you do feel like you had a, like a good night's sleep totally. or at least a solid power nap. Yeah, right? so then imagine doing it and then going out for a run or doing it and then going yeah. to work, right? You're suddenly... You know, you get up from, from sleeping, you have, you know, a decent breakfast and then you do this or you do it before breakfast. I mean, you're set up for the day. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, for me, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a no brainer. Okay. So what have you noticed here at LinkedIn just on, um, just on the topic of, of let's just call it corporate wellness mm -hmm. is I guess what I'm getting at is I really want to try to leave people with some, maybe some tips on, on how things are being conducted here, how it's being worked into maybe some of the regular day-to-day -day programs and, mm -hmm. and your, your work life. Have you noticed shifts in, in like the culture and how they're, how they're do, going about doing this? 
Well, I mean, it, it really did start with that talk. Like, I mean, for Jeff Weiner to get up in front of the entire company and say that this is, you know, one of the apps that he has on his home screen that he values, that was a huge sort sure. of moment. Now, for me, that journey took another four or five years to actually get it on my home screen. Okay. Um, but that's um, important though, because it's a practice for a reason. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I'm glad you shared that. It, it, I mean, it wasn't like he said it and I was like, oh yeah, of course, if Jeff can do it, I'm, I'm going to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it totally, it was definitely, I had to find my own path um, to get to that point, it, even with people telling me it was a good idea. But I've just noticed, you know, we have this culture here at LinkedIn where we talk about diversity and how important that is. We talk about inclusion and how important that is. Yeah. But the third pillar and the one that is the most difficult and also the most new is the, the sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. We, in order for uh, us to be doing the best job possible as it relates to our responsibility to our, our parent company and by virtue of that, their shareholders, we need to be making sure that our employees are operating in an environment where they're, it is diverse, it is inclusive, and people come to work feeling as though they belong. And really the only way that you can get to that last piece, in addition to a lot of the other things that you can do in the first two buckets, is by having a mentally fit and mentally strong workforce. And so I, mm. I, I think, I, I've never done this, but I, I would imagine if someone came to me and said, Perry, um, you know, I'm gonna come in at 9, 10, instead of nine o'clock, um, if we don't have rigid hours like that, but let's just say we did, because I wanna take 10 minutes in the morning to, to meditate before I come in, and I'll, I'll work until 5.10. Um, I can't imagine that um, I would have a lot of uh, opportunity to push back on that, because it has, been car- it has become part of the company culture. We have you know, virtually all the offices, once they reach a certain size, have wellness programs where it's not just mental um, fitness, it's also physical fitness. And they're two related, right? We have a gym here in Toronto. We have boot camps. We have fitness instructors. We have all sorts of um, additional resources that employees can tap into to help with both of those aspects of of mental and physical fitness. And so it's really just part of the the way in which the company sort of operates on a day-to-day basis. I love that you brought up the fact, you know, the whole nine o'clock versus nine ten type mm. situation, because uh, like I've been asked about that, you know, where, where we see the mental fitness world being in, you know, three, three to five years from now. And I truly think, and it's only going to come through companies like this, at this size that have such influence in, in our society that are adopting the mindset that you have to pull this off. Cause my response to that is that right now, if, you know, if a friend calls and, you know, you want to come for dinner tonight or something like that. It's very normal for someone to say, well, I'm just going to get a run in and I'll meet you there or something. Right. Right. Not so much normal yet to say, oh, I'm going to do a little bit of mental fitness or I'm going to meditate or journal, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And then I'll meet you there. Not saying it's not there yet, but it's I, I, on average, it's probably like, oh, that's kind of bizarre. Right. Right. So you'd probably make up some sort of an excuse. Yeah, right. You, you're right. You actually wouldn't say that. Right. You'd say, uh, you know, yeah. I need 30 minutes or say something. something I'll meet you there. But I truly believe that we're going to get to that point and it's just going to be normal. I would love if someone said to me, you know what, let's push back our dinner date because I, I, um, I'm going to color. Yeah. Or yeah. I'm going to, because coloring is something yeah. that's becoming very, very popular. Very therapeutic. Or I'm going to journal. 
Uh, I say coloring because somebody, we had a recent team outing um, last week where uh, I took my team here in Toronto and they planned it. I went along for the ride. But we spent a few hours in the afternoon at the island in Toronto. So we went to the Toronto island and we had no plan. The interesting part is that we had no plans once we were actually there. The whole idea was that you could spend the time as you saw fit on the island doing whatever it is that you wanted to with whomever you wanted to do it with. Um, and then we would all meet at one of the restaurants for dinner at six o'clock. Okay. And so myself and a colleague, we were a little bit later than other people. So we ended up just walking for most of the island, having a great conversation, reconnecting. She had just come back from mat leave. I really enjoyed it. And then we sat on a patio and had a couple of drinks. Yeah. Um, and then two, two women specifically on the team, they went to an area of the island and they colored. So um, cool. So not only was it, you know, just an, not only did they accomplish what, what that like, would have accomplished, but the part that I loved about it is that they consciously thought that they were going to, that they should do this because they had to bring the supplies. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like they just magically appeared. So I just found it really interesting that, you know, you had a few hours to do with as you wished and they chose to color. And I just thought that that was so great. Uh, yeah. I love both, both of those elements because I mean, I spent about 10 years before doing this in, in the corporate world and like, I don't think I've ever heard of a like a team offsite set up like that. It's usually very rigid, right? Yeah, exactly. You land here, we're doing this, 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 and then we're meeting here, and like it's it's a race for the for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so a just being able to get there, everyone do what they need to do is amazing to see that that shift, and then the, the coloring aspect, right? Yeah. Um, so it was great, and and for me, you know, I've been traveling so much um, and and felt disconnected from my team. Yeah. So to be able to sit on a patio and have a beer may sound cliche and perhaps not the greatest use of my time, but it really was that walk, that long walk, because we took the the wrong ferry. Yeah. The long walk to where we were going, and then just that opportunity to literally sit on the patio and have not worry about anything else, but who was in front of me at that time. Um, and then a couple of other people joined us and just the opportunity to just talk in a way that wasn't the same kind of conversation that we would have day to day at work. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what she thought of it, but I I just found it really a great use of our time and, and felt connected to another human being, which can be not, not always, um, I think sometimes we take that connection that we have to humans for granted. Sometimes it's not always as easy as, as we think it is. It's totally true. I should interview her and see. Yeah. I had the yeah. worst yeah. time on this offsite. And sometimes when you, it can come, I, I don't know, as I'm saying that, I'm like, is that creepy? Because, you know, I think maybe sometimes the connection, when you say connection, it comes across as like a romantic connection. Yeah. But that, no, that's no, not no, what no. I mean. Yeah. It, it's really just two humans in this like huge place uh, called Earth. Um, and we just happen to be in this moment and we're connected yeah, um, yeah. for this brief period of time in this crazy uh, thing that is our life. Yeah. It's, it's not they something that happens that. often, right? Especially when you have, you know, a high demanding career or whatever else that is going on in your life, kids, you know, relationships, blah, blah, blah. It's not easy to have that opportunity to just sit down and connect with people. And that's what meditation allows me to do. Uh, Journaling allows me to do. Um, Every day I ask myself um, what I'm grateful for. It gives me the opportunity to sort of take a moment and connect with myself. Sure. For For that moment in time, I've sort of anchored it 10 minutes in the morning and then those few moments in the evening where I have that opportunity to reconnect with myself regardless of what's happening in the day. 
It's, it's so powerful. And I want to touch on what you just mentioned there, but also the fact that you've been traveling a lot. Mm -hmm. And like, let's have a realistic conversation on that because I think people could think like, oh yeah, you travel, but I'm still going to get in, you know, 10K runs every day and meditate. Like, let, you know, let's be real about this. But I, 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 want, so I want to understand like what were some of the maybe the non-negotiables when you are traveling like some of the elements that you really try to fit in that you've noticed help and and maybe some that you're trying but it's just not working out yet right yeah you know it, it's the 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 t the 10k run one is is a good example because i just had a conversation with my running coach yesterday or sunday excuse me and it was a really honest conversation because the one thing that has been sacrificed pretty significantly over the last couple of months is my is is running and my physical fitness it's okay. gone right into the toilet At, with all you know the the road to uh, what is the saying something about paved with good intentions i had a sure. lot of good intentions and they just haven't come through come true yeah because i haven't i for whatever reason i just didn't commit to it well enough and and the travel has been really intense and so i've gone from you know my coach tells me that in the middle of a race, you typically reach a point where you're like, I'm going to meet my, I'm going to meet my goal. Um, or the new goal is just to finish. And here I am, I'm about seven weeks out from race time. And the new goal is just finish the race. Okay. Um, because the, the fitness level has gone so far, far back, uh, so far backwards. Um, the one thing that I have committed to though, the one thing that is non-negotiable is, is certainly the meditation and, um, using your app to make sure I, I recognize what I should be grateful for. But the other thing that I haven't sacrificed is this concept that I've described to you before, which is for whatever reason, the airport is a very stressful place for a lot of people, right? But I, for, it's easy for me to forget as somebody who, who flies, you know, between 50 and 70 times a year, um, that, uh, you know, for me, the airport is, is a normal place. I know exactly where to go, how to get there, the quickest way, yeah. what I can do before, blah, blah, blah. Sort of got a system down. And so it's very easy for me to forget what kind of stress that adds to other people when they go into an airport. They probably <laughs> spent thousands of dollars on this trip and it may be the only trip they've ever had or ever will have or they're delayed or they're traveling for a negative reason. or what. There's all sorts of reasons. But what I've committed to is never getting angry in the airport. Um, never, never yelling at someone because of something that's happened to inconvenience me. Uh, and whether that be, you know, the classic tourist move in an airport where you're looking up, you're looking down, you're not looking straight ahead. Uh, you're treating the escalator or the moving sidewalk as a ride as opposed <laughs> to a place to get from A to B. Yeah. That, you know, day to day, that drives me bonkers. Yeah. Um, especially where the physical location of our office is in Toronto. It's right at Young and Dundas, which is tourist central. So walking around the streets here can drive me a little bit batty. But in the airport, I've committed to being like, hey, you know what? This could very well be the very first person's, the very first time this person's been in the airport. And Pearson actually is a really cool place. Yeah, yeah. The building, the architecture is, you know, it's, it's not award-winning or anything, but it looks pretty cool. Yeah. So maybe they do want to look around. Or maybe they are the one, they're taking a little bit of a break and stopping to smell the roses. So who am I to push them out of the way or get angry at them? If I'm late, it's not their fault. It's my fault, right? Yeah. If a flight gets canceled, it's not the person at the gate's fault, right? I shouldn't be yelling at them. So that's what I've committed to, and it's made travel a lot easier. When I just let things, you know, 
go with the flow. If yeah. I notice that there's some sort of disruption or some sort of issue, a lot of times I'll just go back to the galley and hang out with the flight attendants. I'll chat with them or, you know, just keep my my earphones in with music and just sort of mellow out and just not get engaged or not allow something around me to, to upset me. That's a great mindset. Because, I mean, I don't travel, obviously, as much as, as you, but I've had spent quite a bit of time in an airport. There's really nothing there in your control. <laughs> it's <laughs> you know, true. For the most part. <laughs> yeah. So... And it, it seems very kind of stoic almost the way you kind of approach the airport and just it is what it is. The flight's late. The flight's going to be late. I mean, what am what, I going to do? What are you going to do? Either you're going to be sulk and be angry. It's not going to help the situation. Correct. Um, but I'm curious, is there like Perry, was there like a trigger or turning point where, because I'm sure at one point you were yeah. <laughs> used to be angry at the airport. Sure. Yeah. I guess, I mean, I guess I'm admitting that I, that I used to be. And I get, I think that's just a natural reaction, right? If, if yeah. someone inconveniences you, you get upset. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's not necessarily, um, you know, I'm not faulting the, the fee, that feeling or that yeah. reaction, but given that that happens a lot or perhaps more often than it doesn't in that type of travel situation, it just became too heavy. Okay. It, it, there's no way that I would be able to travel the, as much as I have in the past without having that particular mindset. So, and it really does start the moment I leave the house. Okay. Um, I immediately begin to sort of, you know, get into a mindset of, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm sort of giving my hand, giving my, my travel plans over to the airport gods. <laughs> However, they decide to let this go is how, because, you know, you get to security and, you know, they, they, it's up to them to determine how quickly I get through. I could be in front of a family of 10. I could be in yeah. front of 10 business yeah. travelers. There's a big difference in your experience through security there. How do I get to choose what's actually going to happen, right? Yeah. Um, so it really does, you know, start from the time that I leave my house until the time I get back home. I don't know what's going to happen. And so I just give myself up more so than I do in my normal life to just say, I got to go with the flow. Because sure. I know that it could very well be the next week, the next day that I'm in the exact same position again. Yeah. If it was once in a while, then probably yeah, I would be angry, but yeah. uh, I just can't get through it that way. That's helpful. I, and I think people can apply that in a lot of different scenarios, right? I, I'm thinking even it's just even commuting into wherever it's you're true. working, all of that, right? That, that's something that I noticed when I moved from Montreal to here. Like we used to complain all the time about mm. construction in Montreal. And, and all the time. Right? And the, and the somewhat traffic that's there. But here... It's totally different, right? Everything's an event, yeah. right? So, <laughs> so it doesn't matter where you're going, it's an event. <laughs> And uh, that's been something helpful on my side, too. You know what? Just I'm here. Take it in. I really like your kind of mindful approach of just stopping and kind of looking around. And, you know, there are nice kind of things to look. There's detail that we just don't see because we're either stuck in our phone, caught up in the situation, like whatever it is. There's stuff that is occupying our mind. Yep. And it's it's a great mental fitness practice. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to respect your time, so we're, we're going to start wrapping up. But anything, like for anyone listening, I just want to go back to that, that corporate world again. And it could be traveling. Um, it could be at the office. But anyone that's listening that really, you know, is working in an organization that is not there yet on the, the mental fitness mm-hmm. standpoint. Maybe they have a company gym. So there's a bit of wellness right. built in. Like any suggestion on how the everyday employee or team member can kind of bring this stuff up so that it's, mm-hmm. it's relatable to 
man, whoever can actually push it forward. Sure. The one, the thing that I, um, the thing that, that, that way, the way in which I introduced this, this idea or this concept to my team was, um, and, and you may, you may ask me about this later, but I'm going to bring it up now is, um, is this concept of giving yourself permission um, to laugh, think, and cry every single day. Yeah. And if we could do that every single day, we live a much fuller life. And, and the idea is not mine. There, is, there was an old basketball coach um, by, the gym, by the name of Jimmy Valvano, and he, he gave a speech um, at an award show in the, in the uh, I guess it would be late 90s, early 2000s, mm-hmm. And he was very ill with cancer at the time, and he had won an award. And um, and he was talking about how um, his journey through his illness taught him um, and reinforced this idea that he had always had, where um, if you could laugh, think, and cry every single day, you live this full life. And so um, it just really resonated with me yeah. as somebody who who uh, isn't afraid to show emotion, isn't afraid to necessarily hide be, I, I, I typically don't hide behind um, a, you know, a curtain if I'm feeling something, I'm, I'm happy to let you know what my true feelings are. But when I moved into people management here at LinkedIn, I saw an opportunity for me to be able to leverage this with my team in a way that helped us not only connect individually, but also be able to provide a framework by which we could learn from one another. So in every single one of our team meetings, we have this concept of laugh and cry. I make everyone watch the video. They mm-hmm. sort of have to get brainwashed a little bit by yeah. what Jimmy V's emotional and powerful speech is. But then in the corporate side of things, what I do is I say, okay, I would like, uh, you don't have to give me one of all three of them, but give me an give me an example, or give the team share with the team an example in the last week where you had a thinking moment. Yeah. Perhaps it was a moment in time where you learned something new, you realized you had this epiphany, or this, uh, even a minor realization that there was a, a little shift you could make where you could get an extra percent of productivity out. There was something with, where you had a moment where you're like, ah, mm-hmm. if I could do something a little bit differently and get something out of it. And then the, the laugh part, obviously, is is not necessarily, it doesn't have to be a belly laugh. It doesn't have to be even be um, a, a time where you do actually laugh. But it can be an opportunity where you've reflected back on something and you've realized that there was a moment of joy there. Mm-hmm. That you had this, um, maybe it was a quick win, maybe it was a successful part of, of uh, something in your role uh, in the past week. And then the cry one is the one where people get a little bit worried about. Yeah. It's, it's not a sobbing cry. It certainly can be. I mean, we have those moments in life. But it can, it's more for me, again, it's more of a reflective thing where it's like, oh, this was a learning moment for me or this was an opportunity where I could have done something better or this is an opportunity where I had the chance to, to do something in a different way and I, I missed that opportunity. Uh, I could have been a better person here. I could have been a better coworker. Um, and again, I'm putting it in the context of, of corporate as opposed to yeah. personal. And it's really about best practice sharing at the corporate level. What are the things that you laughed, thought, and cried about um, this past week that your coworkers could learn from? And that's really where I, th- I think I've provided the opportunity for people to be able to bring that to their workplace. And then, you know, Conversely, I think it would be easy for other people to bring that to their workplaces. For sure. Well, what I really, and there's probably some sort of behavioral learning model built into that. Probably. Because what I like about it is that 
right off the bat, you, you take off the pressure for you by showing that video, which is already, yeah. there's, a, there's a very credible source there in terms of, okay, it's not just me telling you need to do this. Not, not saying you're not credible. Right. <laughs> no, I understand. But, yeah, yeah. But, and I've seen this video, we'll link to it in the show notes. It's powerful. Um, and then it gets people thinking, right? And like, mm-hmm. oh, that's really interesting. And I love the, like, because people could do that personally as well, but the, yeah. it's, it's a great reflection that it's still looped into work, but yet it's, it's personal at the same time, right? So yeah. That's, that's great. Thank you There's an element that. of yeah. vulnerability to it, right? Like, exactly. I think that's also how I've opened it up to my team is that I, I participate as well. I'm like, hey, guys, here's where I laughed and I thought about something and I cried this yeah. past week too. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes, okay. if, yeah, yeah, sometimes when it, when it starts with the, the person who is the leader in the room, um, and leader doesn't have to mean people leader. It could be someone who's leading the project. Someone else on my team is a leader in that particular area. If they show vulnerability, then it provides the opportunity for others to, to open up as well. Yeah. And I just think that that just makes us again, better connected individuals on the team at the corporate level. And it, and the good thing about people who are listening to this is that it can start within your team mm-hmm. and then it starts to grow, right? People will, um, start to, um, talk about it and hopefully it, it, it can evolve to, to other teams. And if it doesn't, at least you're providing a safe space for your team to be able to share sure. uh, with one another. Amazing. Last question for you, or second last, I sh- should say. We just mm-hmm. want to grab your three reflective questions. Yeah. Um, and they can be brand new. It, it's, sure. It's totally fine. So uh, just for anyone listening, uh, we owe a big thank you to Perry because this is round two here at LinkedIn. Uh, it's the first ever massive audio failure in the Keo conversation. So we <laughs> this is the second time. I don't know where the file is, what happened to the file, but we've got another file coming. So... Um, yeah, Perry, if, if there are three reflective questions that circulate in your life, uh, either on a frequent basis or during mm-hmm. big life-changing events, personal or professionally speaking, what would those be that we can leave with the audience? I think even more than the first time we recorded this is this concept of, of what is it that I'm grateful for today? I think that yeah. is such an important, um, important thing for people to sit down and recognize, especially, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you're privileged, right? There's a lot of people in this world that wouldn't have no access to to this type of technology or the ability to listen to this. And so just by virtue of the fact that you're listening to this, there is an opportunity for you to reflect and say, you know what, there's things that you should be grateful for because there's things out there that other people don't have. So that's one thing that I've Again, I've built it in using your app as a, as a daily reflective point for me in the evening. I've got the reminder set up in the later evening before I go to bed okay. to ask me that question and then I journal it um, every single day. Um, I ask myself, how do I prioritize the non-negotiables? What are some of the things that I just will not um, compromise on? Clearly, physical fitness has been one of those things recently, um, but mental fil- fitness has not. Yeah. Um, so clearly if, if I had to come up with a hierarchy of needs, um, I'm, 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 um, organically putting mental fitness ahead of my physical fitness, which I'm not sure if that's good or bad, but that's, that's what's happened organically. Um, sure. am I giving myself the time to laugh, think and cry? We already talked about that. Yeah. And then bonus, um, <laughs> have I given myself permission to forgive? That's one thing that, that I do struggle with is, is this concept of forgiveness, um, I don't know why I struggle with it, especially since I, I talk about this idea. I think it's wrapped up into this laugh, thing, cry concept. Um, I should be able to forgive a lot easier than I do, but I don't. So uh, I, have to, I have to consciously give myself permission to 
forgive and move on. Okay. Um, I, I, a lot of times I don't forget. I, a lot of times I will forget, but not forgive, which is what the opposite of what a lot of people say. Um, there are times where I found myself knowing that I've felt slighted or something is wrong with this particular individual or situation, but I can't sure. remember the specifics. Okay. So it's like, wait a minute, why just move on? You'd be yeah, like, yeah. You, there's no need to carry on this baggage. Yeah. So, um, for me, that is a, that's an exercise that I need to be very conscious of. But I mean, first, I think first step in, first of all, we're all human, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, of course, that's, that's one thing. Uh, and secondly, you've, re- you, you've come to this realization, right? Which is better than not and kind of rolling through. So step one. Yeah, the so- self-awareness is, is key. But yeah. yeah. It doesn't make it any easier sometimes. No, of course. You, what do you, what did you say to me at the beginning of this? That um, I'm hard on myself, you said, right? Yeah. Because I, I said, which I've heard before and I, and I know that, but it's true. I, there is an element of me that is very uh, judgmental and hard on myself. So I need that. I think that's where that permission for forgiveness comes in. Sure. Yeah. Last question. What makes you smile? Oh boy. That's a, I can't remember what I answered last time. First thing that comes to mind. Yeah, the, it's a cheesy answer, but because I'm, you know, I'm not going to get any quote unquote benefit from it because I'm not going to listen to this. But I, I immediately, my, my son's face popped into my head um, yeah. when you said that I've I have three kids, two girls and a boy, um, and I don't know why it, the 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 story that's right now in my head is I was putting Charlie to bed the other day and I said, um, "Are you going to dream about?" Captain America tonight. He's very much into these. Okay. Com- he's three. Yeah. Very much into the Avengers right now. And, you know, no influence from me, of course. Um, <laughs> so I said, are you going to dream about Captain America tonight? And he, he was very emphatic. No. And I said, okay, well, who are you going to dream about tonight, Charlie? And he has Avengers bed sheets. And he, was, he knew exactly who he was going to dream about because he went down and he pointed out Falcon. And he said, he didn't know the name of the character, but he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dream about this guy. And so I was just like, oh my goodness. Like, you know, a ridiculous question. Yeah. Are you going to dream? No one knows who they're going to dream about. And were you going to dream about Captain America? Okay, dumb. Yeah. But then to not only, he responded to me like he was almost like, uh, no, I already know who I'm going to dream <laughs> yeah, about. Like exactly. he, he took the time to think about it. <laughs> So moments like that just made me smile because I'm like, man, kid, I wish I was like you. I wish I had the opportunity to be that free of mind and that sort of um, connected slash disconnected that I I could say, you know what? I'm going to dream about Falcon tonight. So that made me smile. Well, let's end on that. Let's all dream about Falcon tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, sir. My pleasure. Thank you. 